Hello and welcome to a Burkett Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. Yes, we are. And before I introduce my guests, personal message to Richard, 65 of Coventry, Virgin. Richard, we will celebrate how the fuck we want, when the fuck we want, and there's nothing you and your little micropenis can do about it. My name is Chris, I'm your host for this evening, and I'm joined by the fabulous Mr. John Welsh, top left. John, how you doing? I'm good, mate. Five out of five. Can't complain. Making people upset that we're celebrating, and I probably forgot to do the little intro video, so Danny's going to kill me later, but there you go. Did catch me off guard, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, hang on, I'm waiting for the internet, then I just saw live. I was like, oh, Christ. Ever the pro. Anyway, speaking of professionals, here he is. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ellis Mill. Ellis, how you doing, sir? I'm good, mate. I'm buzzing. Five from five and podding again. Second time in not too long. Good and I times. think I think I need to ask you that question that everybody's going to ask. When are you going to let the hair down? Because, you know, it's no. just... It's, there's a lot of hair behind here, isn't there? For really? anyone that doesn't okay. know, there's, there's a man bun going on there. You you are the, <laughs> the new uh, Voot Vice who's just signed for Leicester. If you haven't seen him, he, he's got very David Luiz hair. So, um, yeah. uh, and by the way, while on the subject of Sky Sports, it, it it's Rams, not Reams. Okay, guys? <laughs> Do your fucking research. Anyway, let's move on. Um, nice to have you back, Ellis. Nice to have you back. Hope you are well. And... Uh, yeah. And uh, yes, John and I have been talking about our social lives. We, we've been social for the past week. It, it seems very strange. I'm not sure I like it. Speak to more than one person in, in a week and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. So we shall speak about Arsenal instead. We are going to uh, talk about two games in one this evening because we don't really want to do like match reports. Everybody does those. So we're just going to combine the two. So from the off then, John, uh, you, you made reference to it. Five out of five. We beat Fulham at the weekend in a game that uh, I was next to the, the Welsh wonder himself, Mr Jason Davies, for that. We left it late, but we got the winner. And very similar, as you said, off air, very similar performance in the win we got last night where uh, we, we put it up, Mr Martinez, who we may touch on a bit later on. But yeah, two two very good performances. Um, but one in the Arsenal way. Uh, I think I think you probably know what I mean when I say that, in that we don't make anything easy, but we can only beat what's in front of us and, and another two very good performances. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, this season, I mean, everyone's spoken about the World Cup and where it sort of comes and that some a lot of squads are going to have sort of half the team will be going off to a World Cup and there's going to be a load of players left behind and, it's going to be very weird and how do you keep everyone's fitness up and what a player's going to be like when they come back. So um, I think in the early part of the season, I was looking more for just get results and get points on the board than performances. But to be fair to the team and Mikel and all the coaches and everything, um, I think some of the score lines from games have either flattered the opposition or, um, you know, not really done us justice on the performances we put in. Um the Fulham game, we were in total control. Um, you know, majority of the game, obviously they got the second half. Same in the Villa match, same sort of thing happened. We were really all over them. And Villa, really, I think if you just look at the first half, that's probably one of our best performances. We were just totally dominating. And it was more than anything, it was down to a bit of 
a really good defending from Villa or a nice save from Martinez or some poor finishing on our part. Otherwise, realistically, we could have had a lot more goals in that game. And same with Fulham. Um, but the thing that's impressed me the most is every time we've conceded this season, um, I think the longest time we've had from conceding to us getting a goal in response has been 10 minutes. And every other goal has been even less time than that. That's totally, that's worlds apart from last season. Um, the amount of times we concede a goal and the heads would drop and everything, everyone's buoying each other up. Um, most of the goals have come from an individual error rather than uh, like collective for the most part, um, which is fine because it happens in football. Everyone makes individual errors, but there's no, there doesn't seem to be any like structural or like the defense of the unit problems like we've seen for the past probably four or five years really with Arsenal. Um, the forward line's all singing. Everyone's chipping in with goals. Um, we've lost two key players in Partey and Zinchenko, and it doesn't seem to have really knocked us. Um, it, it's not going to go on forever. Obviously, at some point, we are going to lose a game. Um, I'd love to think we're going to win every single game this season. That'd be amazing, but it's not going to happen. But whilst you're there, just keep it going. Keep the momentum. Um, and the players that come in all seem to know what their roles are, all doing the job. The team's adapting slightly, depending on who is playing. Um, and the fact that we're pissing people off it is like, that's the big thing for me. I'm absolutely loving it. So like, there's some people who just don't like Arsenal. Fine, fair enough. There's clubs we don't like. There's going to be people who don't like Arsenal. But there's those people who not only do they not like Arsenal, like they really don't like Mikel Arteta because of the way he talks or acts on the sideline, but they don't like an individual player and that just translates then to the rest of the club. Um, and the fact they're getting so wound up about it and they're all going, oh, it's only Fulham or it's only Palace and all these sorts of things. Like, well, to be fair, the one team that we've, you know, like Leicester and Villa, obviously not doing great so far this season, but I think everyone would agree their squads are better than their results are necessarily given. But Fulham are in the top half. They got a result against Liverpool. They were unbeaten before they played us. Um, Villa, yeah, they've been very poor. And there's obviously something wrong there with Gerrard. But the players they've got, they've got really, really good players. Um, you know, and they've got some players that we're even looking at, apparently. Um, well, I'm sure we'll come on to that later. So it's just all good news. And the speed with which people like Gabriel, Zinchenko, those two in particular, how they've adapted it into the squad and seem to have energised everyone as well and how much they've bought into it. I just think it's really, um, really impressive that Mikel was not only, everyone knew they are quality players, but he knew that they would fit and work with the team and keep that momentum and that sort of, that group mentality that they've got going. Um, and the fans have been incredible. I mean, I'm sure you can talk about, Chris, what the atmosphere is like at the stadium. But this season, watching the games has been unreal. The noise that's coming out of the crowds, like whether it's home or away, is just unbelievable. I've not heard anything like that for not really since like pre-Invincibles era in terms mm. of sort of stadium noise. And even then, I don't remember it being that loud. I don't know if it's just modern mics or something like that, but it, it's crazy at the moment. It's so good. The, the last time I remember the atmosphere, particularly being there, and I will touch on the atmosphere in, in a second once we've spoke to Ellis, but the 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 goal, uh, the the winning goal on Saturday, the last time I remember the atmosphere is, do you remember the Reyes goal against Middlesbrough that Sky kind of missed because it happened straight yeah. from kickoff and, and God mm. rest his soul, by the way. But um, that that's, that's the last time I remember, and that was, what, 2000? 
2008. I mean, it's just amazing. And that was a hybrid as well, where an atmosphere was very easy to generate. And, you know, because it has that type of stadium. This stadium is, it can be very hollow when it's quiet, but um, it very much is not that at the moment, which we'll come on to. But um, Alice, what, what do you make of it? Because the, the, the biggest thing that I take from this season so far, like John said, spoiler alert, by the way, we are probably going to lose a game this season. Sorry, guys, it's just going to happen. But um, the, the the team for me is it's very likable and it's very you can see it's been coached. You can see that Mikel has worked very hard over this summer to get a, a really bonded group, a group that wants to fight for each other and a group that believes in itself. And like John said, you know, let the haters hate. If people want to moan about us celebrating or they want to moan about us being good, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. We've had so many years of being, let's be honest, shite. It's quite nice to have a likable side. What what's your sort of views on on in particular those last two performances where we thoroughly deserve the wins and and look like a side that deserves to be where we are top of the table? Yeah, yeah. I just I just echo pretty much one hundred percent of what John said. Like the atmosphere, all the points he's made about how the team's playing, regards to the teams are taking points off. Those of these naysayers that say, "Oh, it's only so and so. It's only Fulham. It's only Crystal Palace. It's only that." But at, at, at the time. We've played, what, three of the same teams that uh, Liverpool played? They dropped points against Palace. They dropped points against Fulham. They nearly dropped points again against Newcastle last night. Um, obviously, we haven't played Newcastle, but we played We played Bournemouth. Obviously, they smashed him. We probably could have beaten them by more, let's be honest. Like Gabriel Jesus was a, a toenail away from scoring another goal in that game as well. And I just think in it's, it's stark contrast, isn't it, towards from last season when we were three games, three losses. We've now got five wins from, from five. And regardless of who it is against, well, regardless if it was five games against Bournemouth or not, it's still 15 points on the board that we didn't have this time last year. And it's 15 points that we've got as a, a as a cushion. And like you say, we're going to lose. Obviously, the, the big test for this team will be when we do lose and how much that impacts our season and how quick it is for us to turn around that loss and move on. Um, we've obviously got some tricky fixtures coming up, I think, uh, am I wrong in saying we've got Liverpool and Tottenham very close together later in the year? Mm, yeah. I we've got we've got two teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got two of the, the quote unquote big teams like back to back. I think in October or November, whatever. Um, but the, the main thing is, I think, regardless of the results, regardless of the points on the board, for me, the most um, encouraging thing to see is, like you say, is the team are coached and the way they play and the, the way our game is playing. And the, compared to last season where we would barely create a chance or the chances we were creating were just not quality. Whereas now, I'm not really much of a stat man, but being in a WhatsApp chat with a guy called Travis who bombards me with XG pretty much every game, he'll send me a tweet of the XG for that game or the XG for that this game. Um, and, and last night's game, we had the same XG or better XG actually than Man City, who won 6-0 and we won 3-0. In the first half against Villa, we had 15 shots or some, some way double figures. It might not be 15, I might be exaggerating, but with double figures compared to their two. Like we are dominating games. And like, like John rightly said, we've been a bit unlucky, partly down to our poor finishing, partly down to keepers or defenders just throwing their body on the line. Villa obviously were desperate for the point. So they are going to be up for Arsenal, aren't they? So I think that was to be expected. And as for Fulham, like you said, they're a really difficult team to beat and have been difficult for other teams until we beat them. They were undefeated. So I think you are going to have games like that. But I really think we are due at a 5 0 a 6 0 just because we are creating those chances that we weren't creating. And we're doing it 
let's be honest, we're five games into the season. We've lost our first choice centre mid and probably our first joint left back. Those first two games, Zinchenko showed how much of an influence he was having on that sort of left pocket of the team. And we're still winning games and we're still dominating halves, dominating games where we think we could be 3 4 nil up and the scoreline uh, flatters the opposition. It's That's the most encouraging thing for me. The points are great, don't get me wrong. To be in the position we are, five wins from five, coming from, like, breaking that duck against Fulham. The, I can't remember how many games it had been, but under Mikhail Teta, when we go behind in the second half, I don't think we've won a game. I'm not sure how many games that stretch had been, but we hadn't won a game. And we've broken that duck. And the only way to get over that is by doing it. And I'm hoping, obviously, there'll be more things that will overcome this season that will just show that what Mikel Arteta, what Arsenal are building here is a quality team. Like I said, they're all really likeable guys. And again, to touch back on the fans, the fact that most of our goals have been individual errors, but unlike seasons of old, the fans aren't jumping jumping on those players. They are gearing them up. And I think that is showing with the fact that when we do go behind, we then, like John said, 10 minutes or less, we're, we're equalising or we're then going ahead. And that just shows, again, it's the... It's the um, 12th man again that might be a bit of a um oh what's the word I've gone blank now cliche cliche there you go <laughs> thank you <laughs> might be a bit of a cliche but I genuinely think it is and again like you said it, it comes the fact that it's coming from the tv that never used to be the case and everyone goes on about nights at Anfield but I flipped over and watched the end of um or parts of the Newcastle game when uh, it was half time or after our game and it didn't so obviously it went mad when they scored in the the 98th minute of six minutes at a time um, but before that, it wasn't exactly booming. Whereas at the Emirates, again, it's it's not something we're used to, and it's 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 quite weird to say. But the fans, whether it, whether they're away, whether away fans, I think have been good for a number of years. But the home yeah. fans, in particular, with um, is it the Ashburton Army? I think they've done a great thing there of getting a young crowd in there up for it. Songs mm. like the Saliba song, and it's just there's just a really good feel good atmosphere. And I'm just hoping that obviously, like you say, there is going to be that slip up that that atmosphere doesn't drop. I don't think it will, judging from the, the mistakes we've made and the way they've got behind players. I don't think, oh, well, I think they will get them up for it. And I I just, I feel something's coming. I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but I just feel like we're going to we're going to do something. And the position we put ourselves in, I am so confident of top four. Obviously, someone can probably come back at me when we don't finish top four and say, oh, Ellis, you said you're really confident. But I am. Like, <laughs> but Look at the rest of the teams. Other than Man City, people are dropping points left, right and centre. No one really looks consistently good no one really looks like they're putting a good run together they all look like they're either not the finished article they're building or they're just on a bit of disarray or they're just Tottenham and they're really fucking lucky and they get lots of decisions whereas we look like we're not we're still not the finished article but we look very close to it mm. god Tottenham are so boring as well aren't they they're so they really oh my god it's <laughs> like a couple of breakaways a game and, and the rest of the game is just Derek Dyer passing it sideways to <laughs> whoever that other fraud centre-back is they've got. Um, yeah, I, I just to touch on on the atmosphere, I think both of you touched on it, and obviously I have had the the experience of, of going this season last week. Um, leaving here at five in the morning was not fun, I've got to be honest. But it was worth it. And ge- genuinely, the, there is a feel-good factor there. And it's not just in the stadium. It's, it's the concourse, it's the club shop, it's the streets before, it's the tube. There's a, there's a sort of a, a genuine buzz about it and there's sort of after the game obviously spirits are high when we beat Fulham and, and people were you know sort of slapping each other on the back etc but people were making conversation with complete strangers you know you you don't really get that 
unless you've got a proper football family to use a bit of it, another cliche there but you you've got a real togetherness in the fan in the fan base there and i think normally where we we have had a a, a situation and a certain group that, that have caused division amongst the supporters for a long time they're nowhere to be seen right now because there is no negativity to thrive on and don't get me wrong, you, you, you know, you have to go on Twitter and put in the AFC hashtag. There will be somebody who will have a moan. There'll be somebody who will still find a fault in something. And there'll be some people who want to double down on on their own misgivings of the team last year. And as I've said on a number of times on this podcast, you know, I wasn't a believer for a long time last season. I, I didn't see where we were going. I thought we were really directionless. But newsflash, you can change that opinion and you can channel that negativity into a positivity. And at no point in that Fulham game did we ever turn on the players. At no point. There, there was one moment where um, Erdegaard sort of checked from shooting and passed it. And a few people went, oh, but it wasn't like, a, you know, it wasn't an aggression. It was a, like, a, you're better than that, shoot, you know. And 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 you you really got that impression. And and the, when the substitutes come off the bench, you know, look at the impact Eddie Nketiah has had in both these two games. You know, sure, I'm sure he is absolutely desperate to play. But he's happy just coming off the bench right now. He's happy being a part of it. Tommy Asu coming off the bench, the same. We saw Smith Rowe last night. There's this sort of thing going around at the moment that Saka's maybe not quite at the level that we we thought he was. And somebody made a really good point on, I think it's Football Weekly I listened to earlier on. They were saying, actually, he isn't playing badly. He's playing very well. The difference is he isn't the only player we're relying on this season. Last season, everything went through him and we noticed him all the time. We, we've got different options now. And because of that, we're noticing that maybe he's not part of the game as much as he was last season. We weren't so dependent on him. And that can only be a good thing. I think if you asked him yourself, you know, are you in top form? I think he probably would say, I've got another level to go to. But when you've got sort of players like Martinelli, I mean, I, I you know, I haven't got a fan club of his, but I'm, I'm creating one. I just love him. He's everything about him. And that finish last night, a lot of people have said it's a Martinez error. You could argue because he gets a hand on it, he probably should do better. But that technique, I think Arteta said about it in the, in the post-match game, to get your knee over the ball and, and to put that into the ground and then back into the net. I mean, how many times have we seen high-end strikers miss from that distance? I thought it's a really clinical finish. And uh, no point in either game last night or, or um, Fulham did I ever think that we weren't going to win the games, even when it got late with Fulham. There was just this this will to suck the ball into the net and uh, the celebrations when Gabriel sort of the, the, um, the, the, what's, what's the word when someone um, turns it around the, I can't think of the word, but Gabriel turned, turned his whole game on his head because, you know, I think he did make a bit of a howler, uh, although he wasn't helped with the pass to him in fairness, but um, he really, um, he really did come out shining brightly after that game. Um, next couple of fixtures, by the way, before we go on to another topic. Uh, got Manchester United away on Sunday. Wouldn't it be lovely to extend the run up there? We then go into Europe away to Zurich, which is on the 8th. And then we're home to Everton, home to PSV in Europe, away at Brentford, home to some tin pot club up the road who play in a toilet bowl, home to Bodo Glint, home to Liverpool, and then away to Bodo Glint, taking us into October. So, yeah, those two fixtures sort of league fixtures back to back against against Spurs and, and Liverpool probably are the real tough t- tough tasks. But both at home, you know? So if we can get a result at Old Trafford, um I don't see any reason why we can't go there and win, to be honest. I really don't. They're still bedding in. See what we'll see what performance they turn out 
tonight. They're about to kick off against Leicester, but they are the next few fixtures. Uh, John, let's go back to you then. Just uh, looking back at, again over those those two performances, just picking out a couple of the players. Martin Odegaard is, is one I do want to ask you about because I, I haven't seen a player in the flesh since Santi Cazorla who makes the game look that effortless in, in midfield. His his ability, he's one of those players that when you see him on TV, he looks great, he looks silky. But when you see him live, he's just that little, he's always got his head up. He looks, before a pass even comes to him, you know, two or three seconds before he receives the ball, he already knows where it's going next. His quick feet, his ability to to drive into spaces and then, and also knowing when to go and when to drop in. He he is fast becoming a guy who I feel like we could Cesc Fabregas ourselves around. You know what I mean? Like build around that midfield. Yeah. Has he impressed you as much <clears throat> as I've just uh, spouted off about him there? Yeah, I mean, in particular this season, towards the end of last season, I was a little bit worried about him because in a couple of games, I felt he went not missing so much as he got a little bit muscled um, out of games physically. Uh, again, not all his fault, uh, partly down to the midfield. And I think there was a general amount of fatigue within the team because our squad was so small and we just had no rotation options at all. So you couldn't really rest anyone. And I think he was just feeling that and probably the rest of the midfield were that this season he seems to have gone up another level. Um, the the speed of thought and the ingenuity with which he plays the ball is ridiculous. And I think when we first signed him, I was excited. And I was like, well, everyone knows about this kid because obviously he went to Madrid when he was 16. He's played all over Europe and he was great at Sociedad. And obviously we had the loan. It was really impressed with him. But there was, a, there was still, a, for me at least, a question mark of, Clearly a very good player. I thought it was a good price, but I thought we're probably not going to see him really hitting strides until maybe two, three years down the line. He might start to, you know, come into his own sort of thing. But this season, he's just started flying. He's obviously, he's got the goals as well. There was some fortunate fortune in them, but he seems to have obviously getting that confidence. And I think he even said in one interview that sometimes he needs to be paraphrasing slightly but he needs to be a bit more selfish sometimes and take the shot on himself rather than just looking for the pass um but yeah he he's just got incredible vision um and i think the 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 thing with him is as well we've put a player in front of him and this is no disrespect to lacazette but we've upgraded on lacazette and put hey jesus in front of him which immediately makes the game easier for him because he's got this constant absolute terror of a striker up front just annihilating defences and always moving so that he's always got an option last season it was a lot of the time of well I'm going to play with Saka and maybe Martinelli if he's coming in off the side and that's kind of it now he's got three options in front of him at all times coming in at all different angles it makes the game so much easier You've added uh, the way that Xhaka's playing this season into that. He's got someone else to find in the box. The way the fullbacks now come inside. But then, obviously, if we're playing Tierney, then he's got someone on the overlap. He's just got a lot more pitch to play with than I think he did have last season. Um, yeah, and he's just... I think if he ends up staying at the club for even five years and we and we sold him on for, you know, whether it was the same amount or more money the money we paid for him is so low for that quality of player, uh, for that intelligence. And also just for the, the way he like off the ball, 
the way he works and like drives the team forward. He initiates that press. He's directing people where to go. Uh, to be a captain at that age, but actually have the respect of the other players, um, I think is a huge thing. That's a really difficult thing to do when you've got some like older guys in that squad, like Jacker and Partey, people like that, who've been around the block a bit, very experienced internationals, played at the highest level of football and everything. But he will say things and they'll listen and they'll pay attention. And to be, what is he, 22? To have that kind of respect from other professionals, um, I think it's huge. And also he's he's finally got, I think the one thing he's probably never had at any point in his career, that he's got a stable club, um, a stable manager who really believes in him, backs him. You know, it's quite clear that Arteta really wants to build the team around him as well. You know, players will come and go from clubs and leave and stuff. But like you said about Fabregas, this is a guy who they may captain, not just for all those attributes and reasons, but because I think they want to keep him there for as long as possible. I mean, I'm sure the club would love it if Erdogan played the rest of his career at Arsenal and you could just constantly be refreshing the team and just going, okay, we've sold this player. We've made a profit on him. This youth development one hasn't quite worked out. This one's gone, but we brought these guys in. Martin... Now do it for these guys. You know, they're going to get the goal. You just will give you the ball and you just direct it. He's like an orchestrator, or an orchestrator, which you call it, a conductor on the uh, on the pitch in the way he plays. Um, I haven't seen him live yet, which is really annoying. I'm trying to get down to a, for a game this season. But obviously, now we're doing so well, it's very hard to get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've spoken to a lot of Silver members and they're like, even us getting tickets is a nightmare right now. So, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm trying to get down for a game because... I, there's some players in certain eras who you just want to see play live because it's such a different experience from on the TV. Because yeah. I, 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 he's the sort of guy who um, I remember first time I saw Arsenal with Burkamp, yeah. and I think I spent probably ninety percent of the match just watching Burkamp, whether we had the ball or not. Because I was just like, this is amazing. Because I've never seen a footballer like it, like in the flesh. And you had the same thing with Omri. And then when we signed Ozil, um, when he was playing well, um, it was the same thing. He was just like magic to watch. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a guy I, w- I really, really want to see live. And I'm so pleased we got him. And there was there was a few fans who were genuinely negative about signing him, going, oh, it's a waste of money. He's not going to make it. He's a Madrid flop and everything else. I just think the 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 atmosphere around the club has changed so much now that when we sign a player, even if it's someone people aren't that sure about, fans seem to be a lot more now because of the way things are going and the way Arteta sort of brought the fans back on side and everything and the whole club has, that everyone's sort of more, okay, no, we'll give the guy a chance. Let's back him and see how well he does. And if you give players that that chance to play and express themselves and everything... And the other thing is I trust the club now to get the right players because they have been bringing yeah. in the right people and everything is going in the right direction. That's so, really um, key, yeah. Yeah, it, he's, just, he's just great and it doesn't seem to matter who plays in midfield with him, who's playing ahead of him. It could be Eddie, it could be Gabriel, uh, Smith Rowe can be playing on one of the wings. He, he can just play with anyone. Uh, when a player can do that, you know how good they are. It doesn't really yeah. matter who you put them in a team with. They're just always going to perform. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. And the we we will touch on um, 
a few bits and bobs uh, around sort of transfers and stuff like that is second. Uh, just before I go to us, uh, one thing I didn't mention was the chat box. So I'm going to say hello for everyone that is watching live now or indeed, of course, is, is listening to us in delay or watching us in delay. These shows go up on YouTube. And I think I think we still got SoundCloud, haven't we, and Spotify and all the usual podcast providers. So, uh, yeah, if you do look us up on YouTube, give us a, a thumbs up and subscribe hit the bell and all that good stuff also if you do have any questions for us um we can't always answer them all because it depends on time um but we've got about sort of 40 minutes or so left of the pod so if you do have any questions if you just stick a cue and then the question in the uh, chat box we will do our best to star those and come back to them at the end of the pod but ls i wanted to ask you about the kind of an overall summation of the defensive side of Arsenal, really, uh, rather than picking on individual players. But I will slightly pick on one, I suppose, because Kieran Tierney's come back into the side since Zinchenko's been injured. Something I noticed in particular being there was this this new dimension of left left back goes into left midfield and right back goes into central midfield. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, fluid works going on in that in that midfield area that's that's coming from the defense. If you get what I mean, do you do you feel like the defensive setup we've got at the moment is going to be what we persist with, or do you think that like natural sort of natural cause will happen in that you know one of Ben White or or Gabriel will either be sort of lost the form out of the squad or move back into positions, or would you quite like to see us stick with it because? There's been quite a few people that have said Ben White's been playing very well. He was very good against Fulham. Seems like a very adequate right back. Saliba settled in absolutely brilliantly. I think Gabriel's playing the best football he has done since he signed for us. And Tierney, although I don't think he's quite fully fit yet, and I think he was thrown in a little bit in in regards to the Fulham game. I don't think he was fully ready. But we know what we're going to get from him and Zinchenko. So, and we should should throw Aaron Ramsdale into that mix as well. What's your take on the defensive side? Because we, we do look a little bit more structured this year, don't we? And we seem to have options. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think if there's anyone that's going to miss out when we've got a fully fit defence, I think it's probably Tierney. I think for me, and I don't, I don't want to start to be too negative on him. Again, like you've highlighted, it might be because he's not fully fit. But the differences between him and Zinchenko are, are clear to see. Like, there's daylight there, isn't it? With the way I think as a defender, he's a very capable defender. But in terms of the way uh, Zinchenko has played in those first two matches for Arsenal, the way we know he can play when we watch them at Man City, in his attacking involvement, his positioning, his retention of the ball, his passing is just a lot better than Tierney's. But I think the most frustrating thing for me um, last night in the Villa game was there was a couple of times, and both times it was the typical Tierney ball where he just tries to cross it and whips it in. Everyone else is forward. He doesn't beat the defender. It comes back. Tierney's then got a sprint back in defence, whereas the rest of the midfield have sort of pushed up as well. And to me, that's just, that's just something you wouldn't see Zinchenko play. If that was Zinchenko, he'd probably just cut back and then pass into Jacka or Martinelli or retain possession a bit or try a better ball instead of just the old cross and hope, which Tierney, I think, is quite um, culpable of doing on many occasions. I think when he first joined us, it worked out well because people didn't really know how to play against him because he's this new entity. Now people know what Kieran Tierney's made up. And I think, he's, don't get me wrong, he's a very capable left-back and a very good left-back. I just don't think he really suits that way of playing as much as Inchenko does. Whether he can adapt his game to become that, I don't know. If I was going to place a bet on it, I'd say probably not. 
um, but he does offer us a difference. So I, I, I'd probably go back and say that Zinchenko is probably not as good a defender as Tierney can be. So I think and there's going to be games when we might need Tierney at left back because we're not going to be as adventurous. We just want to hold back. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. As, as for Ben White, I think that he hasn't really put a foot one in every game he's played for us this season. Mm. I think he was the last couple of games have been really good. I think maybe not in the formation or in the way we want to play with these right backs tucking in. I've not really seen anything where he's put a foot wrong. I think if you're a defender and a, a okay to average defender, you're measured on the mistakes you make. And if you're constantly making mistakes, you're out of positions, you're getting caught out, you're not a, a good defender. Whereas I think he doesn't really get caught out. And I think he's actually growing into that role. I think the fact that when he was alone at Leeds, when he played and sent the bid for them, I think that has given the ability on the ball, which I think is, is to me, surprised me a bit. The way he's sort of beating players, the way he's put balls in, the way he's crossed. Obviously, it can be improved on. And again, comparing him to Sinchenko was pointless because Sinchenko was better at, at that. But I think he's done really well. And I think even when uh, Tommy Asu's fit, I think at the moment, barring an injury to Ben White, I think Ben White keeps him out of the team. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of the two centre-backs, like you say, Saliba, he's on drop-off at the moment. He is, is cemented his place there in that in that centre-back partnership. And I think with Gabriel, that we've got two defenders that, again, I think the what, Gabriel is aggressive and he's going to make mistakes. Saliba is young. He's going to make mistakes. They're both going to make mistakes. But I think they've got that well, the whole team, not just the defenders, have got that mentality where they won't let that get to them. They won't let their heads drop. And you know Saliba a lot more than me. You'll know what his mentality is like. From what I've seen from him in the in the five games that I have seen of him, he just seems so calm and collective. He's, he, he's, got, he's got the head of a man who's 28 years old, not... Is he 21 yeah. or what, 20? I don't know. Yeah, 21, uh, 21, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so... like that, And as for Aaron Ramsdale, I think... Carl mentioned, I think, towards the end of the season on many pods that he was a bit sort of concerned about Ramsdale's form. I think we'd all be lying if he said we weren't at the end of last season. He had dropped a few kangas. Obviously, he's beaten by his near post uh, by Madison at Leicester, but it's just one of those things. I think in these games that have been a bit tighter than they should have been, he's actually made some really good world-class saves that have kept us in the game. As, as of defenders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, like we've highlighted, he hasn't really had much to do in most of the first halves. We've been dominated in both both the Villa game and the Fulham game. We dominated the first halves and you could probably forgive him for not being really on it because he's not had to do much. But when he has been called into action, he's been fairly good this season. And I just think that, barring any any injuries for me, Zinchenko, um, Gabriel, uh, Saliba, White and Ramsdale, that's the back four and goalkeeper that we're probably going to keep the whole season as long as they all stay fit and healthy. Yeah, seems pretty fluid, doesn't it? And and on on the Ramsdale thing, I, I think he's just I think he's just a a very sort of good example of the modern goalkeeper. Um, short sleeves, likes a bit of time wasting, loves a bit of crowd interaction. Um, but all jokes aside, he's he's just one of those goalkeepers. He likes to be involved. You know, he likes to come for crosses. He like I th- I think Martinez is not dissimilar in that Pickford as well. You know, for all their faults, and they they will make the odd ricket. Most of them, they're very they come for crosses, don't they? They they they, they make big saves. Nick Pope's another one. Donnarumma is another one at PSG. Who, for me, I don't really get the hype, but that's just me. Um, but the, the modern the modern goalkeepers are 
are a lot more visible um, in terms of, you know, the, the, the days of the, the steady Eddie, David Seaman, I think, are behind us. And you now need a goalkeeper who can use both feet, who can get involved in the build-up play, who can get involved in, in big save-making and cross-taking. And when you are that involved, you are going to make a few rickets. And I did think last night was a foul, I have to be honest, but I also thought it was pretty poor keeping as well. And I think, again, Ramsdale's a pretty honest lad. I think if you asked him, I think if you asked him again, I think he probably would have would have had some sort of uh, some something in his ear last night about saying Douglas Luiz possibly will will try and score from a corner. Be aware of it, and the fact that he did get caught by that is a slight concern. Um, but then at the same time, like I say, when you have got somebody basically pinning you back with their arms behind their back, it doesn't exactly help. So um, yeah, not not an ideal situation to be in. Uh, let me just ask. Um, let me just ask John this question. The, I, I did touch on him briefly, but I want to get your thoughts on Eddie and Katia. Um, just wanted to know really whether you feel what what's what do you think his role is going to be? A lot of people think that he's going to be that guy who's going to be spearheading the Europa League campaign. And I think that's probably fair and the cup games as well. But it just feels to me like Arteta's almost desperate to play him because he he has has made significant impacts in both these last two games that he's come on. And he's clearly signed that contract knowing Gabriel Jesus is coming in. So he, he clearly backs himself. Would would you be tempted to go with a two pronged striker formation at, in certain games, or would you be sort of tempted to keep him as it is and, and just sort of building around the idea that he will always come on with twenty twenty five minutes to go? No, I, I mean I agree. I think that he'll likely lead the line in Europa League like group games at the start, and probably I would assume the I was going to say Carlin Cup. I don't know who the fucking sponsor is anymore. Is it Skill Carabao? The League yeah, Cup yeah. and yeah, that sort of thing. The um, Cup. Yeah. He, obviously, the the times he's coming on in games now is a lot longer in terms of minutes. Um, I think every time he's come on, he's had a real impact on the game. He's been very unlucky not to get on the score sheet pretty much in every game he's come on in, to be fair. Um, and I think the the other interesting thing, really, is that I would guess it's, I mean, this is just my feeling on it. Um, I wouldn't be against seeing a, a two-man, uh, like, pronged attack uh, with him and Jesus playing. But I actually think it's more likely that one of the wide players would, would come out, whether it be Saka or Martinelli, and Jesus would move to a wide position mm. to let Enketia get the chance to go through the middle. Because I, I agree with you. I, I think Arteta is probably annoyed that basically well not annoyed he's very happy obviously how well the team's playing but any other time pretty much he, that he's been at Arsenal he'd probably be able to drop someone and put Enketia in because he looks like he's in great form and really good belief he's physical he's running channels he's you know I mean there was one moment last night where I think he picked the ball up and he sort of beat two men and took it like half the length of the pitch and he probably could have just laid it off to Smith Rowe or Martinelli or something and maybe gone to the corner. But he was like, no, I've worked really hard here. I'm going to have a shot. And he he ended up putting it over. Just fair enough. He's a striker. Maybe not the most sensible thing to do, but every time he's come on, he's looked really, really good. Um, And I think the, the thing with Jesus coming in, he obviously does 
believe in himself. And the way Jesus talks about him as well, you know, that first interview he did, he said, Arsenal have two, you know, very good strikers. They have me and they have Eddie Nketiah. You know, I'm not going to play every game. Um, the fact that he can play wide is a big bonus. So I think Eddie's going to get more minutes than people realise. I think it's just the weird thing of the season being sort of, you know, it was at the start, it was game a week. Now we're getting to the, we're going to have a game every three, four days for a while. And I think it's pretty much that because of the squeezing in the cup competitions and Europa League and everything else before the World Cup, that you're probably going to see some more rotation. I think you might see Jesus maybe play wide a bit, a little bit more on some occasions, depending on knocks or fitness or form concerns over players, that kind of thing. Um, so he'll definitely get his opportunities. And I'm really glad we kept him because I know people were concerned and they said maybe they wanted a different type of striker. Um, but in terms of outlay for the club and money, it just made perfect sense to keep Enketia. If the if the manager and Edu and everyone else at the club, the coaches thought he's good enough to, you know, get goals for us, then again, I'm backing them because they've got basically everything else pretty much spot on. I know they made some mistakes early on with people like William and things like that, but <laughs> since that point, it's the the recruitment and the team selection and like everything just seems to be getting better and better each week. The substitutions, the rotation on players is really, really improved. So um yeah, I'm really pleased for him and I'm I'm sure he'll get more chances. And I hope he stays there. Like they gave him the number fourteen shirt for a reason. That that wasn't mm. just, you know, like a like a gesture or anything. Um yeah. So yeah, he he's been brilliant, and the de- uh, as you guys were talking about earlier, the defense has been immense. Like Saliba's been great, um, Gabriel I think has been great. Yes, he made some individual errors, but in the game where he made the biggest one, he made up for it. Ben White has been superb. Um, I I wasn't a hundred percent sure he could do the right back position full time, but I think he's been excellent. And to be able to keep someone of Tommy Asu's quality out of the team. I think people probably forget how good Tommy Asu was and how key he was for the start. You know, like last season when he came in after those first three games, we got him and it was like, wow. It was like having Bakary Sanya or someone back at the club because he was just like instant straight in and so consistent and really, really good. Um, that That's really impressive. And Tierney, I know, like Ellis said, doesn't do the same thing as Zinchenko. Like he can't do it as well, but he does offer that overlap. And the difference is now that we have... Uh, that extra mobility in the forward line that if he does whip across in, you do actually have someone in the box in Jesus. You know, you do have Martinelli, you do have Saka coming in at the back post. I mean, like last night, Saka should have scored, really. You know, he'd yeah. be kicking himself. He didn't put that one away. I know it was on his weaker foot, but he'll be gutted he didn't score that. Um, so I just think the the multitude of options we've got is so much better now. And because we're going to have so many more games and then you've got the weird thing of the World Cup and then coming back and you've got to jump sort of reset, but it's still the same season coming in. is very bizarre. No one's experienced it. So you're going to have to mm-hmm. rotate players around. And let's be honest, the way Gabriel Jesus is playing, he's surely going to the World Cup. You would assume he's probably going to be starting most games. By the end of that, you would think Brazil are going to go pretty far in the tournament. I mean, they generally do anyway, um, but they do look like they've got a very good national team at the moment. So they could go like right to the final stages, maybe. So he might come back a bit tired. Eddie's not going to be going, let's be honest. So you're going to have someone fresh to come in and the way he's playing at the moment, I would have no problem, you know. I mean, he's, he's clearly, he's not Jesus, he's not that level. Yeah. But if he was starting for Arsenal, even against Man United, I wouldn't be like, oh, 
you know, I'm worried we're not going to score goals. I'd still be confident that, yeah, we're still going to dominate press from the front, harass the defenders, he will get chances, and I'm still confident he'd put them away. He's one of the higher-end backup strikers, I guess, mm. is the way I'd yeah. put it. Like, you know, yeah. um, Julio Alvarez or Julio Alvarez is probably, you know, the, the perfect one because he's a youngster and he's going to learn off the likes of Haaland. But when you can't yeah. afford that type of player... I feel like Nketiah is exactly the sort of player you want. Can you actually be. learn off a like Norwegian meat shield robot? I mean, well, I'm I'm not... that is questionable. Yeah, yeah, it's questionable. I did chuckle when he um, when he got the hat trick at the weekend, and Pat Guardiola was trying to give him a hug, and he he looked the most uncomfortable man in the world. He yeah, like, he's, he's not human. He is not. He's human. not. Is he? <laughs> It's not. You, you can imagine that when he uh, when he caresses a fine young woman, um, he does that sort of robotic, you know, like in, in between us when Will's just like mm-hmm. rocking. Yeah, like that's yeah. probably how he does it. Uh, but let's move on from that horrifying image uh, and um, uh, just talk a little bit. We we will talk a little bit of transfers at this point, L, uh, because we kind of need to. I guess it is transfer deadline day. Um, and by the way, Europa League stuff we'll probably touch on. Uh, everyone's seen the groups by now. We'll touch on that before we preview our first game in that particular competition. I think that seems like a good time to do that. But I, I do want to just talk to you about the squad. We we know that Thomas Partey has got this thigh injury, this mysterious thigh injury that is, quote, recurring. El Nene's sort of injury went under the radar a bit against Fulham in the one minute he was, you know, he played the whole game. And Dom in our group chat was sort of saying, if he's done his hamstring, I'm amazed he got through the game because it, it's not an injury you can run off. It just isn't. It sounds like that's going to be, quote, long term as well. Some people are saying it could be as, as long away as Christmas, which is nuts. That leaves a big midfield gap for us. At time of recording, Tielemans is playing for Leicester as we speak. Uh, and then this morning, we got the news that the man who scored against us from the corner... Douglas Luis Sebastian Villa seems to be the target. What's your kind of thoughts on that? And as we sit here at 25 past eight on transfer deadline day with what, two and a half hours to go, do you feel like we'll we'll get that deal done? The the, the current bid is around about 25 plus add-ons. Villa have signed Dendonka, which you would imagine is a straight replacement. He's um seems like a good fit to me. You know, you, you, you don't join Man City for anything. I know he didn't make it there, but he only moved on because he wanted to play. He clearly wants the move. Is it a signing that that either excites or interests you? Um, I was just having the discussion actually in the chat box with a uh, formerly Nozza. Um, for me, if I'm being honest, it's a bit underwhelming. But as I was saying to, to Nozza, I think it's needs must really. Um, I think our season last season was derailed with the injuries to to, to Tierney and and to Party, and obviously with Sachenko, we've not only got a um, competition for Tierney. We've probably got someone who, when we want to play a certain way of football, is someone we'd prefer over Tierney. So we've sort of solved that issue. And I think there was a stat going around, uh, either on Twitter or on one of the many WhatsApp groups that I'm in with Arsenal fans about Party only actually playing 57% of the games for yeah. us. So that's a big issue. And I think those two players were people that we had to provide cover for because we know that we're not going to get 38 league games out of the season or how many games in total, including all the cup competitions. Um, so if, for, for me, if you'd asked me at the start of the uh, the transfer window, what positions do we need to improve? And I think centre mid would probably be quite high up on there and the left back as well. And obviously, like I said, we've done the left back, done a great job there. With centre mid, I don't know much about Doug, Douglas Louise. I mean, you guys can, can um, 
help me confess here that I generally thought I thought he was a winger. I didn't realise he was a CDM. <laughs> <laughs> just purely because I've seen him score two goals from from a corner in in the cup competition uh, last weekend against us, and I just I just always assume that a a corner taker is normally a, a winger or a fullback or someone in the forward line, not not your CDM. But I guess he's got that in his locker, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, it, for me, it's needs must. I think our hand has been forced. I'm a bit confused why we never really pulled the trigger on Tealmans. I guess we either don't rate him because he is one of those names that has been consistently bandied around by, by ITKs and and other sources in, in, in the media. Um, and we never really went for it. Again, similar situation, not long on his contracts. Um, we know Leicester's financial difficulties, so I'm surprised we never really went for him unless, like I said, they just don't feel he's a good fit for Arsenal. And if that's the case, that's fair enough. I, I trust um, the direction this club's going in, and I think they've done quite well, like John has mentioned earlier, with um, incomings. Um, as for Douglas Weas, like I said, for me, a little bit underwhelming, but with what you've mentioned about Party and Elneny, potentially that is the deal that the club saw they could get over the line and obviously feel that he's a player that will fit them well. Um, Chris, have you seen much of him? What, what, what do you think in terms of fit for this club? Do you think he's a good fit? I actually think he is. I think he is. And um, what I like about him is a little nod here to Sambi Lukonga, who, by the way, quietly came in and did a really good job last night. Um, again, looks looks to me, Sambi, like a player who's been working quite hard on his technique over the summer. He looked a lot more comfortable in possession last night, a little bit less headless chicken. And um, and I think I think playing alongside Jacker would actually help Sambi quite a lot because I think that's the calming influence <laughs> calming influence of Granite Xhaka. Just realised what I just said there. But you know what I mean in terms of his play style. I, I think Douglas Louise, what what it tells me is that the club all the way along that the supporters, you know, us included maybe, m- me less so, just I don't know, I just I just haven't always believed in this sort of DM. Um but I think what it tells you is that the club have always seen a more creative central midfielder. Uh, than a an out and out defensive midfielder, if you will, and and I, and I wonder if part of this this whole something I noticed against Fulham, our centre backs sit very high when we when we're in possession. Both Saliba and Gabriel both step to at least the halfway line and often join into the midfield. And I wonder if that's sort of this whole left back going to left midfield and Jacka playing this new advanced role. I wonder if they are literally looking to do this press the life out of teams and therefore not looking for an out-and-out holding midfielder because Jack is clearly playing a lot higher. Erdegaard is already up there. You you don't... I don't think you have an out-and-out defensive midfielder in this team at the moment. And I don't... And I feel like the reason they're going for or, or had a look at Tielemans and now seemingly are looking at Douglas Ruiz is they want athletes in there. They want players who can get around the pitch but who have the technical ability to play out from situations and and that's what baffled me. I, I wrote a tweet and I deleted it because um, I didn't want to sort of like rant. But I got so sick and tired of people saying, oh, yeah, Tiedemann is a great fit. You know, he's the perfect number six. He's a defensive holding midfielder we need. And I was thinking, did you even watch him at Monaco <laughs> before he, he signed for Leicester? And even at Leicester, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a player who will break up the play. Yes, he can tackle. Yes, he can put himself about and he's an athlete. But he he's not. A defensive type of player he's he's a creator and he's a a deep lying creator and I think that's what Douglas Luis will do as well I can't think back I don't know if you can either John I can't think back to the role he played at City because he didn't really play for City very often but I seem to remember him being 
in the midfield with Fernandinho at some point for the cup games, I think, the FA Cup games or I, I can't cup games. actually remember if he really played for City because he was it's very down. rare if he did. I, I vaguely remember. I could be wrong. He might, I think he I think he played pre-season for them. I don't know if he mm. actually ended up playing um like actual competition games. Yeah. To oh god, uh Girona, I think. In That's La Liga. Right. Yeah, it was definitely before, or before Villa signed him. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was. I, I know City got him from Vasco de, Ga, uh, de Gama uh, yeah. in Brazil. Um, I yeah, I mean, I agree with you that the Tillemans thing to me only made sense if Xhaka was leaving because I was like, mm. well, he's not a six. He he doesn't do what Thomas Party does. He's more box to box. He can spray the ball about, lovely passing, much like Jacker, and he's got the engine to get up and down the pitch. Um, Douglas Louise, people probably aren't excited by him because he's been at Villa, but mm. you have to look at one the price if you can get him for twenty five million plus add ons. I think City might have had a sell on clause, which is probably why Villa are trying to yeah. push the price up a bit. Which is fair enough, I understand five, that. Five, um, I think, yeah, bad, yeah, but he's got over a hundred Premier League games. He's been in the league three seasons. He knows the league. Um, Arteta probably worked with him, albeit briefly at some point at City, mm. so he probably has some idea of the player. I'm sure Edu knows him very well. Oh, Ed, um, Edu's barbecued for him, I'm sure. Yeah, because he's played for the national team on many occasions. I think he won the Olympic gold with them maybe in... Uh, I'm going to have to look this up. Uh, Douglas Luiz. I think he did play Yes. That. Yeah, yeah, he did. He won in 2020 in Tokyo, yeah. yeah. And he was runner-up at the Copa America uh, last yeah. year as well with Brazil. So he's a, you know, he was, um, he didn't always start games, but he was always coming on quite often mm. in games to either shore things up or just keep the ball and ticking it over. He's not an exciting name, and I get that. But you're paying, realistically, if you're getting a midfielder, for 25 billion who has a hundred Premier League games, that's really solid. Like you 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 can't argue with that. Whether we get him or not is is another matter. But he's 24 years of age, he, he fits the age profile. Mm. Yeah, he he obviously knows Martinelli, he'll know he knows all the Gabriels. Um he <laughs> even has he even has a Gabriel in his name, so he would oh, be the fourth Gabriel. <laughs> I think his name is Douglas something something Gabriel Louise. Um like his full ridiculous name. So I'm I'm not against the signing. I think it's a very sensible one. Um you've got to look at it. I feel bad for El Nenny, um, because mm. by the sounds of it, he's probably gonna be out most of the season. And this realistically was probably his last year at Arsenal. Mm. I, I I can't see him staying another season. And I like El Nenny and I think he's a he's a really good squad player who will come in and just do whatever the manager asks for him. Um and He's very likable and everything else. So that that's a sad part of it. But these things happen sometimes. So I'd quite happily take him. I, I don't think he'd come in as a starter mm. by any means. I think at the moment, Lakonga probably would be ahead of him. But yeah. being able to have someone who can come in and go, right, you know the league. We haven't got to worry about you there. Learn the system the way we play. Um, you know the Brazilian guys, so you're going to settle in easy. London is no offense to Birmingham, a nicer place to live than Birmingham is. Um, Facts, you know, it, it's it's more culturally inviting, shall we say, 
than certain other places in the country. Birmingham is lovely, by the way, and I've been there many times, but it's not as nice as London. Um, if you're a footballer anyway, if you're a poor person like me, London's horrible. <laughs> if you live in the nice bits. But yeah, it, it just it ticks all the boxes for me. So um, it's a shame that we didn't manage to do the, you know, centre mid plus the, a winger, which I think was mm. probably... I think if the party in the air and anything hadn't have happened, then today you might have seen a last-minute dash for maybe yeah. a forward. I think yeah. they probably feel, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll be okay. Um, mm. And likely it wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot more action in January than you normally see in a January window, just because yeah. of the weird season. It's going to be post-World Cup. Lots of players always move after the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd quite happily take him. I, I would not mm. be against it at all. And according to Arsenal Twitter anyway, um, I don't know if you've seen this. Well, (laughs) someone went past his house. He used to live next to him for a year. And there was a black Mercedes there with him getting inside. And and possibly a suitcase. Then about half an hour later, there was a... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Suitcase with wheels or without? Because that's key information. I couldn't tell from the picture, but if I read the comments, someone will probably tell me the brand of the suitcase and everything dimensions. We need that information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was also a picture of the motorway, and he was on the motorway going in the direction of Birmingham to London. Oh. Apparently of this this Mercedes van. And then someone else has posted and said, those are the Mercedes vans that Arsenal use to collect people to deliver them for interviews or medicals. (laughs) I hate to burst the bubble here a little bit, but if you are, how many times has, I think the All or Nothing documentaries have shown this before, and um, if you haven't read it, Neil Warnock tells a brilliant story in his autobiography about signing players on deadline days when he was at QPR and some of the weird and wonderful places he'd meet players under the cover of darkness or like, you know, back streets mm-hmm. or, you know, it, regardless of whether we agree to deal with Villa or not, we, we would have got him probably on the road by now, wouldn't we? I mean, you only have to look at the, the crazy story that's gone on today with Bomba Diang, who was... Oh, God, yeah. Wasn't he, was, like, basically about to sign and then... Was yeah, it Marseille he, he, have come in and... Nice have signed him, yeah. He, oh, he nice going to, him, it? yeah. He was going to Leeds, it was all done, and then Nice rang up yeah. and went, all right, lads, uh, we wouldn't mind him. And he, he sat at the airport and did the deal in the airport. So, I mean... You know, it's it's a fluid situation. I, I I would I would be very surprised if he is indeed the player that we are uh, looking at. Which it, you know, there's obviously smoke, so that there is some fire there. If he is mm. the player we're going after, it would be madness for us not to have got him to Colney by now to have got a medical or you know at least yeah. something in place. And and I'm sure personal terms would have been agreed. Christ, personal terms would have been agreed last night. He was at our ground for God's sake. Yeah. Like you're not telling me that somebody wouldn't have had a word with him, or and, and he's a, a guy from all accounts that they were looking at last summer, I think, as well. Yeah, they were. Yeah, because yeah. I, I remember Neil of our parish was quite quite excited by the idea of him coming in. Mm. So, and and he does remind me a bit of Gunduzi without the baggage, which is the other thing I was going to say. And in his play style, he he's a bit of a rat. You know, he's a player mm. who he doesn't mind mixing it a bit. He's a, he's a sort of player that if somebody's running through our midfield, he'll quite happily hack their heels out from under him and stop a counter attack. He's He's got a bit of that about him, and, and I don't dislike that as long as Shaq is not doing the same thing at the same time. So, um, yeah, we, we shall see. As I say, at the time of recording, we still got a few hours to go, and uh, I think he'd be a welcome addition if, if we do get him in. Um, are you shedding because any tears? We've spent like, because we've spent like 10 minutes talking about him, it's probably not going to happen now. 
No, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've completely wasted our time. More than more than likely now, we're probably we're probably going to end up signing the winger that I just said we weren't going to sign. Rather, it's been reported all over. Tony Gakpo is currently arriving at Colney on a Segway across across the the channel. Do you shed any tears at us about Hector Bellerin? Who's, I mean, bless him, fair play, he's landed on his feet. Contract termination today. He's going to go to Barcelona for a year. Nice work if you can get it. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is off to Southampton. Um, the Rob Holding protocol will be staying in place. It looks like he's staying, which is always a good thing. It's good to see that has been back the last two games. And I think the only other one that maybe we thought might go would be Reese Nelson, but it seems like he's going to stick around for now. I think Reese Nelson will probably end up making the tee next season. I don't think he's ever going to leave Arsenal, bless him. Um, and to be fair to him, he's a, he's a very talented footballer. I just... I just can't understand why he hasn't moved for regular games, but fair play. The next gun of Soros. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when COVID four happens, he'll be in the suit. Um, but yeah, any any tears shed over over Hector or, or Ainsley Mate and Niles? I mean, both nice blokes, and I think mm. I think we've all agreed that Hector was had it all in front of him until the injury and, and Maitland and Niles just maybe didn't quite reach the levels that an Arsenal player needs to hit to, to be a regular. Mm. Um, it sounds weird but if anything I'm sort of happy for Hector mm. Bellerin all the best to him man like, he, yeah, same, like yeah. you say that, that, that injury sort of derailed his career um, he's not even third choice right back for us probably um, he had to go and the fact that it's just it's mental really if you'd said to me um, five six years ago that Hector Bellerin um, was going to go to Barcelona and the circumstances <laughs> were he couldn't even get in the Arsenal team but Barcelona was still going to buy him it's Madden, really, but all fair play to him. That's obviously where, where he's come from. That's probably where, if he could plan out his career, he probably would have wanted to go back there at some point. Um, mm. Obviously, they've got Champions League football, so he gets to play a bit of Champions League football as well. Whether he will or not, I don't know is another thing. He might get some minutes in that competition. Um, yeah, I, I can't really speak too badly of him. He can keep his sick mullet as well, which is always yeah. a bonus, because that is a good <laughs> mullet, to be fair. So. Well... <laughs> He likes his fashion, doesn't he? He's a, he's a, a trendsetter or attempted trendsetter. Uh, but yeah, yeah, fair play to him. Good luck to him. Um, he'll probably be shipped off by Barcelona when they want to try and balance the books in a year's time and get someone else in. <laughs> yeah, he'll but be gone we in go. six weeks and they can't register yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As, as for Ainsley, mate, and Niles, I think he, he's his own downfall. Uh, the constant insisting that he wants to play in centre midfield when he's not good enough to play in central midfield. Um, mm. I think really... From an Arsenal perspective, not letting him go to Wolves. I know he had a good, a good run of form when Wolves come in for him, but I think that's a that's a missed opportunity. And now he's, he he forms one of the sort of the deadwoods that we're trying to shift, and has ended up just going on a on a loan just so he gets his wages off. So I think he needed to go. Am I upset? No. Am I angry? No. I'm just happy that that's more wages off the books than we can actually buy players that are going to be more employ players that will be more useful to us in the future with him gone and like yeah. John said that potentially we might have a bit more of a busier January transfer window and if getting Hector out and getting Ainsley Maitland-Niles out and getting the other guys out helps that then I'm all for it yeah agreed and um, one word answer yes or no either of you have any concerns or are bothered about Aubameyang pitching up in blue no no <laughs> couldn't give a fucking monkey <laughs> Honestly, 
Yeah. Uh, who, I, think, I think it's because I'm old and I just I don't. It takes no, a lot more for me to get to attach to a player now. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a massive deal, wouldn't it? Signing for the rivals now, it's like it's just not a big thing, is it? It's just not a. The way he left and, Arsenal and the way we sort of shipped him out, I, I went off him quite dramatically. Mm. So that, yeah, I think that yeah, I plays met, a big. Yeah. A big hand in it for me. He'll probably mm. do all right for him. Score a few goals. He'll go off the ball and he'll go to shit like he did for us and for everybody else who goes to Chelsea. Like it's quite. It's actually yeah. quite refreshing that Chelsea are signing our leftovers for a change. Yeah, you it's noticed weird. that yeah. it's quite. It's quite nice, isn't it? How about um, William back in uh, London? Oh, for Fulham. Rocking up at Fulham, isn't he? He's do, <laughs> he's he, doesn't to, he doesn't get to work under Scott Cardigan. That must be quite. Oh, that, that's that yeah. is a shame. No, that is yeah. a shame. Apparently, we've got a a sell-on clause for Bellerin, though. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, yeah, yeah, 25% or something, sell-on clause. Yeah, Yeah, which does make a little bit of sense. And and I agree with you. I think, you know, nobody's condoning Aubameyang's had to deal with some pretty horrendous shit the last Mm. 24, 48 hours himself. So, you know, nobody wishes that on a guy. But one thing I would say... And and this is not about this is not sort of a rant about how he lives his life, you know, the cars and the the jewellery and the the tattoos when he should have been in COVID isolation and all those things. But the thing that came out of that uh, uh, of the all or nothing clearly was, you know, Arteta wanted it to work really bad. You know, he really wanted him to be the centerpiece, and he gave him every opportunity. And I know there's this joke about the dossier that Arteta kept, but you know, sometimes you you. Can, using a Sunday league analogy, you, you bend over backwards for your best players because you really want them because you know how good they are and you know that that player, yes, he might turn up pissed as a fart on Sunday morning, but he'll score you the goal that beats your rivals, you know, or he might rock up 20 minutes late for kickoff, but he will come on and, and win you a game. Obviously, at the professional level, it's a bit different to that, but he was he was clearly very liked by the other players. He was clearly a very big personality in the dressing room. And I just think that, you know, he'll fit in quite nicely with the Chelsea culture, in my humble opinion. Um, and I, I I sort of, I wish him well without him doing too well. Do you know what I mean? We know he'll score against us. Uh, I don't think he'll go full out of by all. I hope he doesn't. And um, yeah, I, I you know, I, I wish him well. But at the same time, I sort of hope it's just uh, six to 12 months and he, he disappears off the face of the earth situation. Bang a hat trick against Spurs, that's fine. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the fly in the ointment, isn't it? If he, like Alexis Sanchez, mm. signed for Marseille in Spurs' group, you love to see it. You know, an ex ex Arsenal player against Spurs, happy days. And we all know Chelsea don't particularly like Spurs very much as it is. Mm. It's a shame, actually, isn't it, that they've already played each other once this season? But hey ho. Right, anywho, um, before we wrap up tonight's show then, uh, we've got about five minutes or so for questions. So if anybody does have any questions, uh, now is the time to go for it. I think we have got one, have we not, John, in the box? We we do have one. Um, I have a question. Um, have you seen yes. Zinchenko's wife? Good Lord. No, she but just now you've up that. on my Twitter feed. <laughs> Naturally, I'm going to have to look that up at some point. Jesus. Wow. No wonder he's smiling all the time. Is, is yeah. she Bakary Sanya's wife levels, though? That's the key thing. Because she I, was I, elite. I, uh, Yeah, no, she's, yeah, she's very elite. Wow. Excellent. There I like know, the fact she's rocking, she's rocking a red skirt with the top as well. It's very, 
keeping it color coded. Love it. Very on point. Um, yeah. Should say, but by the way, the, the club have painted the crest. Did you notice this last night? The uh, oh yeah, refreshed it all. Uh, yeah, all they waited yeah. till I've been up. They didn't want to do mm. it for me, the bastards. But that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have they have refreshed the color scheme, and apparently the wraps are coming next. Uh, Wi-Fi still shit though. Can confirm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a stadium where Wi-Fi works properly. <laughs> no, it's fucking dreadful, isn't it? And, and although, by the way, go. personal rant: uh, National Express Wi-Fi just as bad. It doesn't actually exist. It says it's connected, but it doesn't exist. It's a myth. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, what was the question that we had come in? Um, it was a question. I don't know. Uh, it's what you is from. Sorry, from Craig Barlow. What do you guys uh, think of Marquinhos? And I guess the sort of to follow on from that, he's been on the bench. Was it just one game or two games now? He's sure. on the bench twice now. I think he's on yeah, the bench twice now. Fulham and now Villa. Um, yeah. So, Golden do you reckon we'll get to see him in maybe the uh, the Europa League? I do. Yeah. Do you? I, I get the impression we will. L. Do you think? Because if you imagine they're going to rest Martinelli, and you'd, you'd imagine Smith Rowe will take the 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 Erdegaard role in mm. Europe. Um, you would imagine then we've well, then got to fill two wide positions, and I I wouldn't be surprised to see Marquinhos take one of those wide positions. And then I'm trying to think who else would come in. Who else would come in on the other side? Um, I'm not Unless sure. You... I mean, that was that was the part of the reason why um, uh, one of the things about possibly getting another forward in was another rotation. Mm. But you've obviously you've got Fabio Vieira, who we haven't seen yet as well. Yeah, who yeah. can play right side. Yeah, yeah so maybe can play Martin right Lester. side, can play 10, can play eight as well, can't he? So, yeah, but yeah. we do have a few options there. So, yeah. He's a um, unit, isn't he, that's looking at him? That's like the he... thing that amazed me. Because when, yeah. when we signed him, I thought, oh, he'll go on loan to Spain or somewhere or Portugal maybe, and then he'll come back. But he looks absolutely huge. He looks That's like a, a middleweight boxer, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's got like, he's got those Roberto Carlos legs, hasn't he? <laughs> he, mm. just look, like he doesn't like look, he doesn't look like he should be a winger. No, like he, he doesn't. He looks like a, like a bruiser centre mid or something. Do, do you know what he reminds me of, actually? He reminds me a bit of, um, uh, oh God, The Beast. What was his name? Baptista. Oh, uh, Baptista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reminds a bit of his build. You know, he's yeah. got that sort of that that heavy set. What, what would you What would you do, Al? Would you Would you give him legs in, in the Europa League? Because you know, realistically, it, it, that's going to be the competition, isn't it? To give him a give him a shot. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think if you've kept him at the club, that you're going to have to play him. I think there's a reason they've kept him at the club. Mm. Um, I, I like you just sort of highlighted there in that little conversation. We're not exactly brimming at, at the piece with uh, lots of wingers really we just had to try and think who we could sort of rotate like obviously Fabio Vieira mentioned he can play there um, and then obviously Marquinhos after that maybe when Nelson is fit he'll get some minutes in that competition <laughs> you think yeah um, but yeah we're not we're, we're a little bit short I think in all honesty mm. and I think that's why there has been rumours of us signing another forward or a wide forward but yeah I think he, he's got to Otherwise, who else are you playing that position other than uh, Saka and, and Martinelli and running them into the ground with the, the fixture list that we've got going up? So I think, yeah, he'll definitely get minutes, 100%. Unless, of course, they opt for a three-back in Europe and, and bring Tierney or Zinchenko into the wide roles, because you imagine Cedric will play right-back in those particular games and maybe they've got an idea of, of playing the three-back in, in Europe, perhaps, because also Rob Holding, you'd imagine, will get games in that, in that mm. competition. Mm. Tommy Asu will get games to, to build his fitness there. So, yeah, you, you could see a situation where maybe Zinchenko 
comes into the wide midfield because he can play central midfield, but he can also play wide right or left, can't he? He started as a mm. 10. So mm. I wonder if maybe they've got the idea of him because you can't just play kids in that Europa, you know, it's a serious no. competition. And as Roma will tell you, but a glimpse and no, no joke <laughs> in terms of you can't just rock up and beat teams like that. You, you've got to have a bit of experience, which is why it's a bit of a shame that we have lost El Nene because again, he would have been the guy you'd have brought in when, because for, for all his faults, you know, we're relying on Granit Xhaka being made of granite now, aren't we? If he goes down with an injury as well, we really are in the shit. So, yeah, yeah I do feel like we need to push on for this this uh, this Louis signing or whomever else we might be able to get in two and a half hours or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a so tough Carl one. has just signed for Chelsea as well. Yeah, good deal that for done. me. I like yeah. him. I like mm. him as a player. Uh, came out of nowhere, that one as well, didn't it? Yeah. Um, um... Oh, and uh, Miguel Aziz is gone. I think someone put it in the chat, actually. Miguel Aziz has gone on loan to Ibiza. Oh, is he? He'll have, yeah. a, lovely, he'll have a lovely time over there. <laughs> lovely time. What a, you are, you know, are they second division now, I think? Yeah, that's like, yeah, 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 too, yeah. You, yeah. you can imagine, can't you, like, um, Miguel Aziz coming in and Aziz sat there, he's like, uh, Miguel, we want you to go away and get some, you know, get some first-team football. We want to send you to a league that's going to challenge you. You know, it's going to be some midweek games. It's going to be a bit tough. It's going to be... And he sat there thinking, oh, fucking hell, I'm going to Barnet. I'm going back to Portsmouth. You? Yeah, we'd yeah. like to go to Ibiza. Ibiza, you say? Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wouldn't want to argue with you, boss. You know, I, I think I can probably make an impact there. Yeah. <laughs> what a terrible <laughs> loan. What a terrible <laughs> loan. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, There's worse places to go. Um, yeah. Worse places to go, indeed. Um, in the interest of, uh, sorry, in the absence, sorry, of uh, other questions, um, just very briefly before we go, I just want to get your, uh, maybe just two minutes each from you about where the league stands, because I'm always intrigued about where other clubs are. Um, any other clubs that have caught, you, caught your eye? We've seen two rounds of fixtures in the last week. Obviously, you know, Liverpool's sort of will we'll play until the referee allows us to score. That's always fun. <laughs> Um, Manchester United currently winning at Leicester. That's a bit like kicking a blind man's stick away at the moment, isn't it? Um, Harland is doing his thing. I triple captained him last night. That was a bonus, by the way. But no yeah, way. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> but um, any any clubs caught your eye for good or bad reasons? Villa as well. They look an absolute shambles at the moment. So I, I don't know. Has anything caught your eye in recent in recent games from from opposition or or rivals, if you will? I think. Um... Go on, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, go, no, go, go. you first, go on. Um, no, I was going to say, uh, I mean, Villa, how poor they've been. Mm. I mean, I didn't know much about Gerard as a manager, but I thought he seemed to do all right towards the end of last season, and they've got a pretty solid squad. They've got some very good, like, like Leon Bailey and Ollie Watkins, Douglas Louise. Um, I know not everyone is a big fan of Tyrone Mings, but I think he's a decent you know, centre-back, and they've got a good keeper in Martinez, even though he's a bit of a twat. Um <laughs> You know, how poorly they're doing. Leicester is a big shock as well. Like, I thought they might drop off a bit, but I didn't realise it'd be quite that dramatic. Mm. Um, And I guess the other one in terms of disappointment that surprised me a little bit is West Ham. Mm. Um, Second season syndrome for them at the moment. Yeah, you just always think with a Moyes team that, like, even if they're not winning, they'll they'll grind out results and get points and stuff. And West Ham have got, you know, they're not a bad team. They've got some good players there and stuff. Um, I guess the the sort of, I'm I'm impressed with Fulham, how well mm-hmm. they've done. Um, I'm constantly impressed by Brighton, like they never. Yeah, I don't know. 
Maybe it's just because it's Josh and it's just annoying because he always talks about them. <laughs> we get the inside um, track. Yeah, we get all the inside track. But yeah, they just seem to buy brilliantly. They sell really well. Potter seems like a very good manager. Um, he, he's like the next nice club. He's the next yeah. sort of manager that goes to the next level, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I guess I'm more than anything amazed by how many players Nottingham Forest have signed. <laughs> Is it 22 now? <laughs> Sir Jorier is returning and yeah, oh, Jesus. God, yeah. They they have, um, I mean, fair play if it works. I mean, you yeah. know, and, and I do like the, the manager there. He does look a bit yeah. of an odd character, but he seems to be doing a good job. So, I mean, mm. it, yeah. It, what, what about teams at the top, Ellis? Are, are you, anybody you're looking at and thinking, I, I kind of, I want Spurs to lose every week, of course, but I, I quite like to see them get tonked at some point quite soon because I I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that they're, putting a, an unbeaten run together. I don't really like the idea of that. Aren't they playing Man City quite soon, though? Uh, yeah, maybe. A couple it. of games time, potentially. Yeah. But um, anybody else that you've been impressed with? I mean, Man City look Man City-ish, and Liverpool are... Yeah, they seem to have fallen off G, haven't they, really? Yeah, Liverpool have got... I think, going back to the, the, the negatives, I think Steven Gerrard probably, if I was going to put a bet on, I think he'd be the next manager to be sacked. Mm. Um, Him or I Lampard, think, maybe? Oh, actually, yeah. well, Brendan Rodgers at the moment is well. Yeah, maybe. yeah. I did. I forgot about that. But yeah, I, I I was listening to Football Weekly and they mentioned that his right hand man has moved. To, oh to, like, yeah, the manager. The guy who, yeah, the coach. Yeah, yeah. That, that maybe QPR he manager. done a lot of the work <laughs> behind Michael the scenes. Beavis? That no one. Yes, is that one. his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something yeah. like that. Um, he done a lot of work behind the scenes that they think would probably impact the squad, and by the looks of it, it has. Mm. Um, he was with him when he was at Rangers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think. I think, if anything, Arsenal have shown that it's good to stick by your manager even when you have got had a poor run. But I don't think they'll they'll give Steven Gerrard that time. I don't think they'll ever be that patient. Um, I'm slightly worried about Newcastle. I know they've drawn like four of their five games, but mm. the teams they played, they've they played mm. well. Like they were obviously City eventually decided to just turn Haaland on and let him. Do that, guys. <laughs> put, the, put the batteries in. Come <laughs> on, come on. We've, we've conceded a couple of go. We've conceded a goal. Off you go. Off you go. Yeah. It's like they just shout a random Arnie quote and he comes off the bench. <laughs> Get rid of Charpan. Let's go. Maybe it's like one of those robots. He's got like a, a word that you just say and then it turns him on. To yeah. Like, yeah. Old school. Is that the Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> a trigger word. <laughs> yeah. City are just City, aren't they? It's not much you can redo. But I think obviously Newcastle will be a bit pissed off that they lost to, to Liverpool mm. last night. But they have quietly impressed me. Again, Brighton, like you say, just they are just a very well run team, yeah. really, aren't they? Or yeah, club, yeah, I should yeah. say, not team. Um But yeah, everyone else, Chelsea have sort of just seem to keep buying and buying players but can't really put a run together. I don't really know what they're to to quote Gary Neville, what they're what they are, is. they they don't seem to know, do they? They seem to no. have a lot of players who don't want to be there, and Zayach and Pulisic. It seems and... like they've been bought, and then the owner's like, oh, "I'm going to chuck a load of money around and see mm. what sticks." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does seem an odd one. Yeah, I, I do agree with Ellis on Newcastle. I think their performances so, probably warrant a higher position than where they are in the league. Mm. Like they, they, they probably feel like yeah. yeah. They're missing one of their best players and they probably feel like they should be higher up in the league considering the way they've played. Mm. Um, so I'll be interested if they can keep a consistent team like mm. uh, in terms of fitness and stuff and availability, how high they can finish this season. 
And they, they might have got a steal in Alex Isak because I'm, yeah. I'm slightly biased in that I've followed him since he sort of mm. first broke through and I'm a bit of a closet Sweden follower. But yeah, mm. he, he's. I was really excited when we were looking at him because he just. Mm. He, he's a very modern day big man. He's not just yeah. the lump it long. In fact, in the air is probably his weakest of his abilities, but he's very technically good. And he, he is deceptively quite quick because he's got a long stride. And as you saw last night, he can finish. Even the goal that was ruled out for offside, I think that's yeah, yeah, well, wasn't it? You know, yeah. he's he's a finisher. And, and if they get him on song um, and he stays fit and they get the supply to him, um, yeah, I think he could be a player who will take them to that sort of... It reminds me a bit of like when Newcastle were good and they had Ferdinand and Shearer and then they brought Asprea. It's yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. he's the Asprea to that. Yeah. I just wonder if he might do all right. But it'd be interesting to see if they if they can sort of push the Europa League spots. Yeah, and I make the club the, the, the club go. Oh, okay, we're uh, a year or two ahead of our sort of five-year plan or something you know that I kind of thing I think they should be though don't you Europa League I think they should be pushing for that I think it's so it. hard to compete for it now though you think yeah. if you think how much we've improved I hate saying it how consistent it. that look, look at the moment <laughs> although it's still early days you mm. know and you would expect that I'm City you know <laughs> are obviously going to be top or thereabouts Liverpool will get back into form yeah, that that pushes one of those teams immediately into a Europa League spot. Then you've got Chelsea, who are better than you know their squad certainly better than the results they're getting. Brighton are very good. Um, Fulham have been really consistent. Southampton are the most bizarre team in the world because they look like they should win most games <laughs> and then just throw them away. Um, Palace yeah, are a lot yeah, better very, team. Very yeah, I think the great shout to be fair. Yeah, Palace are a really good side. Teams, so, yeah. yeah. So there's a, yeah, they, I think there's a lot more competition for those those sort of Europa League and whatever the what's it called now Conference Europe League Conference thing. League yeah. yeah yeah the the insulting European Cup <laughs> competition <laughs> there is yeah. there is a lot of clubs that are in that bun fight I'd say one other yeah. player or just just who I watched this week and I, I'll be honest I hadn't seen a lot of him because he played in Scotland. Um, so why would I have um, Patterson, the fullback at Everton? He looks a player, doesn't mm. he? And I know we've, yeah. we've kind of got our Scottish left back, but he looks really good against Leeds. He looked like a sort of yeah. player who, you know, if, if he's coached the right way and, and gets given his legs, I just, I loved his, his, dare I say, his Scottishness. Just looked like a guy who just would not give up any tackle ever. <clears throat> and he'd probably tackle his yeah, mum. I'm, like I'm very glad we're not sort of in that pack of like Leeds down to sort of Palace. As if we can yeah. stay clear of that, because I would not want to get in that fight, because that's like eight teams scrapping it out for like two places. Yeah, I don't want to get dragged yeah. into that. Just keep our heads above that, and I think we'll be fine for for top four this season. And I, and I don't I don't want to like Leeds because I can't stand their fans, but I <laughs> yeah. kind of like Leeds. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like yeah. I like. No Jesse one is Marsh, supposed to like Leeds other than Leeds fans. Everyone is supposed exactly to like Leeds, exactly. I think because they've yeah. been away for so long, and you're like. Oh well, they yeah. played nice football. There's just something quite sort of wholesome about Jesse Marsh and, and the idea that he's he's so quintessentially American that he pick for, he'll pick a fight with anyone. It, mm. it will be anybody else's fault but his. Um, but but I quite like the fact that he's almost taken the mick out of himself almost a bit and has embraced it and almost mocked the people that said, "Well, you're American, you know nothing." And he, you know, he's he's given some quite quite likable interviews. But as you say, ultimately it's Leeds, so we have to not like them. Um, AZ Mate Niles has gone to Southampton. That's been confirmed. So good luck to him. I presume that's a permanent deal, or is it? A, is it a loan? I can't remember. What I think it's a loan, and then probably there's probably option to buy, but whether that will get reported at some point, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, we shall ask. Be. We shall ask the Ross and find out for sure. I'm sure he'll yeah. know. He'll end up in Ibiza. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, all of our <laughs> players will end up over there, or Mallorca, or somewhere. So, good stuff. Um, right, I think we will. Uh, I think we'll call it a day. There actually, uh, so very quickly, we did have one other question, and it'd be rude of me not to give it a quick nudge, which was for, from Fred Thurbin, um, and he just said, "Oh, that's my damn computer every time without fail." Uh, should clubs be allowed to say undisclosed fee? Uh, I'm not that nosy, but I think we should know. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that, Fred. It's not like the days of you know Arsenal signed Bergkamp for 7.5 million as it was back in the day. I think I don't think it's the clubs necessarily keeping it quiet. I think it's more that no one truly knows because there's image rights. And I was reading somewhere the other day that even the contracts for their when you say image rights, you automatically think about their boot deals, their likeness, their image, etc. Apparently, it even goes as deep as what video games they're in nowadays, um, mm. or what highlights packages they're put on for like. Apparently, um, players can dictate that if they're used in BT or Sky advertising, they have a cut of that income from advertising. It's mental. So I think if you said, yes, you know, we've signed this player for 18 and a half million plus 3.5 million image rights plus 12 million for EA rights plus 12 quid for his Walker's Crisp sponsorship. And oh, it would just go on forever. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's why the club's there. And also the shithouser in me says, it's a rather clever way of sports washing your money away with nobody has to know where <laughs> yeah. it's gone. Like Man City have been doing for years, allegedly. So, yeah, I think that's probably, and as Anne's just put in the chat, agent fees as well is yeah. a big yeah. thing that nobody really wants to know how much uh, certain agents who will remain nameless take from deals. Hey, Pepe, who scored the other night. Um, right, before we get into all sorts of libel trouble, we shall leave there. Uh, we will be back after the game at the weekend, the Manchester United game. I I think we're still doing live shows, aren't we? Uh, it's just that I'm never around for them. So I think mm-hmm. uh, there will be some sort of show after the Man United game. Uh, we will, of course, be back after the pod- after the game to do a podcast next week. Not sure what day. It's gonna. You're going to have to bear with us a little bit this season, dear viewer, because... With the hectic schedule and us playing, I think we've got something like 13 games in about four four days or something stupid in October. So it is going to be a little bit all over the shop. We may do a couple of shorter podcasts just to cover games individually, or we might do it a bit like tonight where we combine two games into one and just kind of talk about various bits and bobs. But um, we we will be here for you. We'll we'll say that much. We just don't know exactly what days. So when uh, when you see the tweet go up that we're live, just turn up about 20 minutes later and we'll probably be still faffing around. And then we'll be live about <laughs> half an hour after that. So <laughs> keep an eye on the Twitter feed. Um, as always, um, please do uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube channel, as I mentioned before, flick the bell, etc. Um, you know where to find us on Twitter by now. We've been doing this long enough. If you've got any individual feedback for any of us, uh, drop us a tweet. Um, or, of course, if you ever want to ask a question and you happen to have missed the podcast, just tweet us and we will do our best to try and include them for the next show. Right. That's enough waffling from me. Um, Alice, I'm sure you've got like, I don't know, a hot air balloon to catch or something, haven't you? Or something or other to do. Don't That's mention that, joke. man. That was it's the most middle class thing I've sad. ever seen in our group. Like You can't go in a hot air balloon with that well. hair. Like, no. honestly, that hair <laughs> is a fire bad, risk. I'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it down a bit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, whatever you're doing, Alice, uh, have a good one. Thank you for coming on this evening. No worries. I don't think my baby's actually asleep yet. I'm surprised you haven't heard her, to be fair. <laughs> I, th- I thought I heard her once, but that may have just been my ears. But uh, hey-ho. Glad but the yeah, family's well. 
<laughs> and uh, you're very welcome. And John, thank you for coming and um, pressing buttons. And I know Danny had one job and he cocked that up, but you held the fort. So thank you for that. Yeah, I, I learned to press the buttons, but I forgot to do the video thing. But yeah, but I'm going to go out and buy a new kettle because apparently if I buy a kettle for £20, <laughs> it will save me £10 in the first year on my electricity bill. <laughs> Because Boris has fixed the energy crisis, so I'm going to go straight out and do that. Thanks, Boris. God. Well, you go and do that, and I'm going to go and buy 14 tonnes of fireworks to let them off when we beat Man United 7-0 on Sunday. Uh, So, yes, if you're watching, Richard, God bless you, sad little man. Anyway, uh, we'll keep pissing people off. Open uh, open veins inject happiness. Uh, We shall keep riding the crest of a wave. And yeah, no matter what happens at Old Trafford, we will go there with uh, a sense of belief. We we kind of owe we, we owe them one. We are due, so uh, let's hope we turn up on Sunday and we can all be uh, celebrating once more. But uh, whatever the result, uh, win, lose or draw, we will be back next week. Uh, thank you to my two guests this evening. Thank you to all of you, fabulous people in the chat for joining us. We really appreciate you. Without you, this would be pointless. So thank you, and of course, thanks to Danny for setting everything up. We have been. Burkamp Wonderland, we are indeed an Arsenal podcast. We will remain so, and here's to six in a row. Take care, everybody. We'll speak to you very soon. Up the Arsenal.